0: To me, it's less about how known is somebody and it's about, are you good with you? Are you able to wake up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror and not just go through the motions and say, I'm someone who's worthy of amazing things. I am enough. Do you actually believe that?
1: Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 612. Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I am so happy to have you here today. And I'm thrilled to be introducing you to our guest, Alexia Vernon. Alexia is an impactful speaking coach, which I absolutely love the whole concept of, because actually, as of the date of this re- of this episode being released, I will have just returned from my first official speaking engagement, which, you know, listeners, if you've been listening for a while, this has been four years in the making, so I'm so excited, but I can't wait to hear just what Alexia does where she's come from, and how she can help us all to get our message out into the world. But without further ado, Alexia, thank you so much for joining me today. You know, with us having been scheduled to record months ago, I think that it was divine timing that we're not speaking till today.
0: Does that make any sense? It totally does. And when I think about where I was when we were initially going to record, I had a book that was just coming out. In many ways, I feel like this will be a richer conversation (laughs) because I've been so steeped in doing this work with clients rather than only on behalf of myself. I was in a bit of a bubble back then. So I'm just, yeah, I'm very excited to um, see where this all goes. I love that you focus on,
1: you know, the impactful side of speaking because I I'm surrounded in a community of speakers and podcasters and also just, well, entrepreneurs in general. That's way too broad, but there seems to be so much of a focus on income and (laughs) revenue-generating activities versus, and this has been a struggle of mine, is going back and forth between income and impact. Which one should I be focusing on? Can I be focusing on both? And at first, I was focusing on income in my business, and that was completely miserable. And then I switched to... Thinking it was completely impactful, but then I realized by focusing on impact, I was actually greatly impacting my income. So, yeah. what has your journey been as an entrepreneur, and where did your work as a speaking coach come in?
0: Great questions. I have been in this entrepreneurship thing for a long time. This is, I'm almost on the precipice of going into my 13th year as a coach, consultant, um, expert based business. But I am somebody who's had a very long pathway <laughs> to success. It took me, I don't know, five or six years to cross the six figure mark. And It took me even longer to figure out how to really scale and sustain the business that I want rather than build the business I felt like I need in order to get to a certain point where I could actually do and be and say all the things that mattered most to me. I am not somebody who came naturally to public speaking at all. I'm sure we'll get into this in more depth, but I had a really hard time not only getting in front of an audience and giving a speech, but putting my voice into a conversation with friends. Like it took me a very long time and it's not because I'm somebody who doesn't have a lot of opinions. Rather, I didn't know for years how to navigate through the sensation that would come up inside of me when I wanted to speak, whether it was a high stakes situation or a low stakes situation. So when I hung out my shingle as a coach, Initially, I thought I would serve people one-on-one and I'd come out of the nonprofit sector. So in the beginning, I worked with a lot of nonprofit folks, arts educators, some college administrators, and quickly started to get asked to speak. Now, running adjacent to all this was a brief stint I had on the speaking circuit from the time I was 19 years old because I won the Miss Junior America competition. And you might be thinking, wait, Flex you just said that you weren't comfortable with visibility. Right and, and <laughs> on the stage winning of Miss
1: Junior America you said?
0: Miss Junior America. What? Yep. But here's the thing that I want to underscore because it's something I actually recognized when my book came out and when I wrote my introduction originally something wasn't landing right and it was because I'd been carrying around this story. I mean and folks this was like two years ago, I was writing the introduction. This is not all that long ago. And I was talking about how I always felt like I was tap dancing on eggshells, striving to be liked and to give the right answers. And that's all true. It's true. But there was this other part of me that would come out in bursts where i would get on stage and i would perform and i'd want to be seen because i did have lots of thoughts and i did want to make positive impact but i didn't know how to hold space for both of those truths and so the story i carried around was only about the former rather than the latter and so miss junior america would be one of those moments where it all came together i spoke up i won But then the reality hit of, oh, my gosh, I've got to give speeches. And so I did that for a year or two in college to honor this recognition that I had. But it's not to say that I would get on stage and feel good. Like It felt like my insides were wrapping themselves around each other. I didn't understand what to do with all of that. And so it wasn't until probably four or five years into my business that I realized I wasn't. I was spinning. I didn't have consistent, reliable revenue. I didn't have a strong brand. I didn't have a niche. I was all over the place. Like I was really good as a coach. I knew that, but I didn't have a business model. And sometimes the universe has to give you a nudge or in my case, a bitch slap. (laughs) Um, I've had a few of those more than I had a big one of those where it was a perfect storm. My husband and I had just bought our first house. I put a ton of our savings into cash upgrades. I just gotten this really cushy corporate coaching and training engagement, but it was the time of the recession. Las Vegas, Nevada is my home base. And so the government cut that funding. My husband was laid off and, um, We had to figure things out really quickly now that we had a mortgage and almost no short-term savings to draw upon because I'd used so much of that for cool sink handles. (laughs) Um, And that was when I said, all right, if I'm going to rebuild what I have, why don't I actually build the business that I want and by that point, I was doing a lot of speaking and I'd actually gotten pretty comfortable at that point. I'd figured out how to navigate through all that sensation. I was starting to tell the truth on stage rather than hustling for people's approval or following formulas that I thought that would just get me sales calls. And I was starting to have more and more people say, well, you work with me on my speaking. And so I went full on into doing that work fast forward, I don't know, a decade, a little over a decade later. And while I still have various streams of revenue, everything feels so coherent and so aligned. And um, that's uh, my journey in a not so quick nutshell.
1: (laughs) I absolutely love your journey. And you said so many things that are standing out to me. First, I just want to thank you for being so transparent and sharing that it took five or six years to break the six figure mark because I'm quickly approaching seven years and I haven't broken that yet. It's been a little bit painful, actually, because I've
0: gotten within a couple thousand dollars, two years oh. in a row. It's like, no, oh, that happened the year before it was like 85 something. You're like, seriously, can you not just let me
1: cross over? Uh-huh. Yeah. And then when I started, this is my second or third round of entrepreneurship, but when I started this, when I got maybe a year or two into this one, I thought that it should be my goal to see how many services I can add to the agency, (laughs) you know, oh, I can design a website, let's put that on there, oh, I can do this, oh, I can do that, and it it took a while for me to realize, but no, no, I don't really like doing that and I don't like, I sure don't like doing it for everyone. I mean, there's specific people that I want to work with. So let's, let's hone back a little bit. Is hone the right word? I'm not sure, but that's still a struggle today. I have to admit, I mean, I'm working on my book and it's chronic idea disorder. I mean, every single day, and I think it's actually wearing off on my team. Oh, we should do this. Oh, we should do that. No. Let's just stay focused on what we're, you know, stay focused on that. But I want to take you back like a long time. How many years would that be? Like 30 years? This is going to date me a little bit. My first time ever behind the microphone or second, I was running for a class officer position in high school. And my voice was so shaky that people thought I was crying. And it took, I think I was 16 then. Okay, so it wasn't 30 years ago. It was like 25. But it took me another good 20 20 years to get behind the microphone again because I was so scared. I mean, it it scarred me. I will not deny it. It scarred me.
0: We are soul sisters. So I actually opened my book, Step Into Your Moxie, with the story of giving my first speech in third or fourth grade. So whatever you are in third or fourth grade, eight, nine, something Uh like that. And when you talk about the voice quaver, that was exactly me. I had just gotten braces and a tongue thrust corrector and a jaw realigner and headgear and was in front of my class giving this speech. And at first, nothing came out of my mouth. Then a pile of drool did. And as oh I wade through, my voice was shaking. My whole body looked like it was tremoring. And similarly, that was the moment the imprint happened of, When I speak, I'm not enough. People will laugh at me. I will cry. I will diminish myself. And so I was a great dancer and an actor. Like I was brilliant at getting on stage and hiding behind talents, but actually needing to be me and unapologetically articulate my own views I could do that in writing really well, but if I was going to do that speaking, I was that person who had to write everything down and I would hide myself behind note cards or pieces of paper or even in my presentations when technology evolved behind fancy pants slide decks and other experts advice rather than share what oftentimes was a provocative Disruptive view on something, whether I was talking about coaching or speaking or anything else. Oh my gosh. I
1: got a little bit hung up on headgear. Do does today's generation <laughs> even know what that is? Because I had headgear on the same age.
0: And my understanding is that usually young people are able to wear it solely at night. Mm-hmm. So Maybe at a sleepover, although I would imagine that a kiddo would just skip it for a sleepover. It's not as prominent as it used to be where you would have to wear it to school. But I haven't actually, my daughter's too young. She's only five to see young people with orthodontia yet um, to really know. But I i don't think it's as prevalent as it was. But I've had people in audiences over the years nod their heads and uh-huh. tell me, like, yes, my kid's going through this right now. I wish she could be there to hear that it gets better
1: I would wear it to school just so I wouldn't have to wear it to bed.
0: Interesting. It, it was
1: so uncomfortable. I mean, at that point, this was this was like 5 years before the the quivering voice on the microphone thing and and I was in a whole different school just district. Mm-hmm. A much smaller school district where I have to say I was a bigger fish in a smaller pond. And mm-hmm. and I didn't care. You know, I was very comfortable in my skin. And I didn't care. I would wear my headgear to school. But, oh my goodness. Listeners, if you're not familiar with headgear, basically it was like this wire of this metal apparatus that you would slide into brackets and get on your back teeth and there would be a strap that would go around your head. At least that's how mine was. And it was intended, I don't really understand how it worked, it was intended to pull my upper jaw back, I think. My overbite this yes.
0: was was crazy,
1: yeah. But
0: and the top looked like a burlap looking sack uh-huh. that would attach to the rest of your metal accoutrement. But it never really blended in with your hair color. Like there was the light br- brown that was supposed to match blonde, and then I had the black because I had darker hair. But no, it it really looked like a post-apocalyptic makeover or something.
1: Oh my gosh, I wasn't even able to select my color. My strap was... Oh, you were No, I was really light blonde for the longest time. And I'm definitely not blonde anymore. But my strap was black. Yeah. But I want to share that after that, um, there was a long period where I couldn't even look at people in their eyes. Like, look at people's eyes when I was speaking to them. And when I got to college my freshman year, I think it was second semester, one of my one of my, uh, well, a person who turned in to be a great friend actually said to me, because I, I would barely talk to anybody, she says, you know, I can't figure out, figure out if you're just really shy or if you're a conceited bee. Mm. Because I wouldn't speak. I wasn't comfortable speaking up and let, letting my opinions be known and Looking back now, it's just so funny that here I am, you know, sharing all the awesome imperfections and all the greatness that comes out of them. But, yeah. I had a question, but that's what goes along with positive productivity. I had a brain it that went along with it. How has focusing on impactful speaking really changed your tra- trajectory, and what are some of the highlights that you have seen for yourself well as your clients?
0: Oh, that's a great question. For me, there's no other work as a coach I would rather do than working with, work a lot with coaches, consultants, and who do want to use speaking to marry making good income with making impact. I do some work also with executives and teams who want to strengthen their ability to present their ideas in the workplace, but it gives me permission to walk my talk on a daily basis, to not, not use my communication to try to impress other people, to stay in a zone of using my communication to call people to take action on the ideas I present. And that's glorious because it keeps me in my integrity. For those who are coaches, you probably know what I mean. Um, In the coaching world, you always get told that being in integrity means you're in alignment with your core values. And for me, my core values are truth. They are family and they are freedom and playfulness. And so I am able to bring that to my work every day. On the client side, I never like to play favorites With my programs, but one of my favorite programs I lead is a nine-month mastermind for female entrepreneurs who want to use speaking and live events to grow their businesses. And I always have a mix of women who do this program. So some have been entrepreneurs for a long time and are now starting to finally think about their speaking and thought leadership. But there are others who may have never had a paying Client for their service based business, but recognize that they want to build their business from the get go so that they are visible in a helpful way that allows them. To be able to attract their dream clients and seeing like one client who's coming to mind specifically who did the 2018 to 2019 cohort last year had never had a paying client was all over the place with her messaging, but seeing the process of first owning the stories she'd been carrying around rewriting them so she became the protagonist in that story rather than a bit player honing in on what were the ideas that she was most passionate about that she wanted to develop a signature presentation around and then doing that, getting herself to a super duper thriving business. She's speaking more than probably I am. Now, some of that's by choice. I'm pretty choosy in this season about when I will get on a plane, but she is booking speaking gigs like two to three times a month. She's traveling all over the country. She was in a relationship, relationship where she felt it was never going to go to that next step her partner saw the shift in energy and they got engaged she had been driving a minivan for years because it felt safe she traded that in for a bmw and not in sort of a like look at me way but like she got comfortable being seen in her relationship with her partner with her kids certainly in terms of her own business and on stage and so seeing people not just like give speeches and make money but shift who they are with themselves and the people that matter to them in the world. Like that's, that's why I do this work.
1: Everything that you just said is so beautiful. And I'm, I've been realizing over the past year that there's, there's that aspect of permission. You know, giving myself permission to do these things, because I don't know about you, but I've had Less issue spending money on my business than I have spending money on myself. Mm. And giving myself permission to take it to the next level in all areas of my life has been such a struggle. I mean, I will not even deny that giving myself permission this morning to walk away from work for a half hour, take a shower and put on makeup when I'm not even going to be on a video call today. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that felt fantastically awesome my husband even said oh do you have a video call today no you look really nice thanks I feel good too (laughs) and I don't smell that's always a win I mean but if that took a while to be able to reach that point I want to go back to what you were saying about well actually you just said so much awesome I can't remember exactly what you were saying but you, you got me thinking about impact and And I want to talk about positive impact Mm versus and boasting and, you know, people, people who are trying to influence and maybe brag, do you think that those, the people who are focusing as much on um, boasting and and really sharing all their successes, do you think they are as much focused on a positive impact or do you think they're more focused on income at the present moment?
0: Whether somebody I'm going to take a slightly different approach, but I promise, Kim, I will answer your question. One of the things I see is that often as entrepreneurs and particularly for women, I feel like men have a more fluid barometer, if you will, of identities that are allowed as an entrepreneur. Um, And I don't mean, oh, my gosh, that, that it's just like what they give themselves permission to be, or who they give themselves permission to be, but how the world gives men more opportunity to emerge as a leader Mm -hmm. in many more ways than as women. That with women, it tends to be very much what you have described. I'm gonna be this best kept secret who does this great, delicious work that changes lives, but like five people are gonna know about me. But I'm gonna be really good. Or on the flip side, we tend to be incredibly judgy. And I find myself doing this all the time of women who are unapologetic about wanting to be known, who have massive social media followings, who are booking great media segments and speaking gigs and are getting quoted and attributed in lots of articles that it's like, well, they don't care about the impact they've sold out. And I think that that's simplistic that Whether we are saying, look at me, look at me, or we actually are hiding, I think that at the root is actually something similar, even if it manifests differently. At the root is this sense of, I'm concerned I may not be enough. And for some of us, when we feel like we're not enough, we hide. I mean, I know that shtick really well. But for others of us, and I've had these moments, it's like, let me get on stage and let me talk about how fabulous I am. But it's not really born out of. I believe that I have this platform and I can help you, not because we're inherently selfish, but we're scared. So it's like, look at me, I'm going to be successful, but I'm doing all this stuff because I'm actually concerned that I might not be. And so on an energetic level, to me, it's less about how known is somebody. And it's about, are you good with you? Are you able to wake up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror and not just go through the motions and say, I'm someone who's worthy of amazing things. I am enough. Do you actually believe that? And. For a lot of us, we build businesses that are chipping away at our worthiness because the metrics we're using to measure our success are things that are totally outside of our control. And so I wish I could say that, you know, today we're going to talk about this 10 step system (laughs) to allow you to engineer business and speaking success, but rather it's about Subtle pivots in all areas of our life, from our self talk to our business models to how we position ourselves for speaking opportunities to how we speak to people, whether it's on a sales call or on stage, so that we are showing up from a place of enoughness and we are giving other people permission to show up from that place too.
1: Hey there, my friend. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. I wanted to take a quick moment to invite you to join the work smarter not harder challenge. Over the course of 30 days, these free, yes, free short videos will teach you a few of the systems and strategies I set up in my business so I can get away from my computer and back to the people I love. I invite you to sign up now at worksmarternotharderchallenge.com. Again, you can sign up at worksmarternotharderchallenge dot com I love going back to the beginning of this little and I love how you were talking about men versus women and I'm not saying against each other at all and I know you weren't either yeah. I've recently been reading Girl Stop Apologizing by Rachel mm-hmm. Hollis
0: mm-hmm. I love her in that book
1: Yeah, and I, I'm still very much at the beginning but one of them and I think this is probably actually the last page I read it's been a few weeks but she was talking about how expressions like lady boss and girl boss drive her crazy. Mm-hmm. And after I read that, I really started thinking about it. Because when you're looking on, I, I, I spent a little bit of time on Instagram, not a lot, but when you see a male entrepreneur post, he's not say, saying man boss, you know, or dadpreneur. And it really just got me thinking about why do we need to distinguish ourselves as a woman entrepreneur, why can't we just be an entrepreneur like a man is? And I'm, and I'm not saying that anybody's put us into that corner or anything, but we, I do now sort of agree that we're segregating ourselves more by giving ourselves those titles and, and almost making ourselves work harder because now we have, we're trying to grow out of that, but Mm -hmm. we're almost forcing ourselves back in. And I also want to talk about, um, your client who got the BMW there was the longest time. And I was actually going through some of my old podcast episodes in the last couple of weeks where I was talking about how I, and I still drive a 1996 GMC conversion van. It is ugly. Okay. But it, it's doing its job right now with the five kids and all the running around that. We're
0: and talking. I think converted vans are the coolest. It's so funny. My, uh, partner so steven he's my husband and he's also we run the business together now um for the last two years we were talking the other day about vehicles we dreamt about sidebar here when we were growing up and my fantasy was having a van and converting it into like a live workspace i was not your typical 11 year old by any means um anyway so i I, you have total cool points in my book well i
1: it's funny that you say that because i actually have a a friend who is driving cross country right now here in the States in a Mercedes conversion van that she and her husband turned into a, basically a studio apartment on wheels. Mm. And they're traveling cross country with their, with their dogs. And yeah, it, it was a little bit painful to, to her because her husband took off saw to the walls and put in windows and all this other stuff. But anyway, so I, I'm driving this 1996. I mean, we're in 2019, so this car is how many years old? No, it's old. It's older than right. my oldest child. And I said in one of the podcast episodes that I was looking at that if, when that day comes, when I upgrade my vehicle, if I post a picture of it to social media, that listeners had permission to slap me. Because I didn't want anybody to think that I was bragging. But while you were just talking, I want to thank you because you, you really gave me insight and inspiration because... It doesn't need to be breaking. It can be impactful. Of look at how much I've gone through, and all the struggles that I've overcome, and this dream finally came true.
0: Mm-hmm. And by
1: the way, listeners, I already know what what my next car is going to be. In 2022, Volkswagen is putting out their their van again, but it's going to be an electric version, and mm-hmm. that that will be my next car. And you better believe I'm going to be posting a picture of it but thank you because I, you just made me realize it does. I I can post pictures of whatever I want in a non boasting, Mm -hmm. but highly impactful way.
0: One of the things I always ask myself when I share anything is, is this designed to engage and inspire or is this designed to prove something or to manipulate? And there's times where, the content was good, but I just couldn't post it that day because I could feel the energy behind it was nasty. And then there's been other times where it's like, huh, this might be perceived a particular way, but here's why I'm doing it. Like, This is why it's important for me to share. The day we're recording, I had a newsletter go out this morning that I guess could be described as a sales email because I released early bird tickets to a live event that I'm doing. It has gotten in the two hours since it went out, more people hitting reply and sending me personal messages and like love notes than any email I've probably put out in the last two to three years. And it was a sales email because the email started with me telling a really difficult story that happened just a few weeks ago about auditioning for a pretty significant speaking opportunity, which I'm happy to share. I finally did land, spoiler alert, in the story. But the first time I was told from the audition video I submitted that it felt like I was too big and too much. And then when I redid it, I was told now I was boring and not enough. And I'm obviously in the story, I go into more details about what happened and what I did. But I shared that story from a place of please don't ever think that I, or anybody else gets to a place where they just show up and they are on and it flows at all times. We all consistently are navigating between being in our, in in, in our authenticity and being performative and trying to prove and win favor. And, um, for me, it was really humbling to see how many people reached out and said, you tell stories in all of your, your newsletters, and I'm pretty good. Like I, email my list every single week, pretty much without fail. Like maybe occasionally I'll go two weeks. And like, I have two, maybe three things that I launch a year. So there's not a lot of sales emails that get in there. Um, but to have people sort of say like, we love when you share content and you teach us stuff, but just reminding us that we can look to you as a mentor and you still have your off moments was really liberating. Reminded me of our role as coaches, as business owners, as thought leaders, is really giving people permission to remember that stuff gets a whole lot easier as you move seasons ahead. But the the challenges just evolve. They never go away.
1: I love that you said that it evolves, that it never goes away. Because oh, yeah. in 2016, I had a major I'll just call it a breakdown. I was so sleep deprived because I was trying to keep up with everybody else that I was watching on social media. I have to say that I was spending more time watching other people Mm -hmm. than I was working on my own stuff. I didn't even know what my stuff was supposed to be at that point. And even when I launched this podcast, I didn't know what it was going to evolve into. But one of the first episodes on launch day was talking about sleep deprivation and coincidentally that same week one of the people that I was watching put a just a what would you call a monologue on Facebook like a a very transparent post let me just put it that way about how she had been dealing with anxiety and depression and sleep deprivation and how they all work together and I had already my episode was already scheduled to go out and in that very moment, I realized, oh my goodness, what you see in these pictures is only like a 2% view of reality and you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Listeners, I just want to let you know, like you probably heard the door open and shut to my office. I told Alexia before we started recording that there's, there's some stuff going on in my house today and everybody else in my house is cleaning the house right now. So they they keep on coming in because they want to know what I want done with certain things. I mean, even when I show up for the podcast, it doesn't always go perfect. I forget to turn off my ringer all the time. But thank you. I love that. And, and I love also how you how you would touch upon emails to your list. I, mean, I do marketing automation for clients when I'm not doing the podcast. And I've seen so much greater successes and open rates, higher open rates, higher click-throughs for the clients who are willing to really share and not be afraid of what they're sharing versus mm-hmm. the ones who are all about the sell and the pitch and every single email.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, it's a difference of like 3% open rate, literally 3% versus 30 to
0: 50. I would sell my organs for 30 to 50% open rates, uh-huh. just saying.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that you brought that up. Because there are some clients who are also concerned, oh my gosh, Kim, my emails are only getting 20% open rate. And I'm like, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, let's try to work it up to like 24%, but 20% is still awesome. So, and, and they have been working their way up because that client has been sharing more. Whoever you are, Wherever you are listening from, remember that somebody is always two steps behind where you are right now and they need to know what you, you, they need to know what you know. So even if it's just your life experiences, don't be afraid to share. What are you most excited about in the next 90 days? And I know that, you know, we're recording a couple months in advance from where this episode will be going out, but let's just say quarter four of 2019, what are you most excited about?
0: So the first thing that comes to mind is that I would normally launch my signature online program, the spotlight speaker accelerator in January of every year. And we really have had a pretty consistent calendar for the last three years. I put it there. I do my live event, April, May, I open enrollment for my mastermind, um, late May and do interviews in June. And then we start back up at the end of um, July, beginning of August. And so it's felt challenging to move things because it impacts everything else in the calendar. But last year, I found myself in a worry bubble, the size of all of Las Vegas, stressed about Facebook ads. Over the two weeks, I take in theory off from my business to celebrate the holidays before we launched the beginning of January. And I said to my husband and to my online business manager, we will never launch here again. I don't know how it's going to look, how we're going to make it happen, but I created a business to enjoy my life. And I really do enjoy my life. Like I don't I have everything locked down so that I don't really coach during the summer. I'm at my kiddo's school. I'm very privileged for every single party. Like I do all that stuff. But there was this area where I was out of integrity, which was around Christmas, which is a big deal on our family because even though I wasn't in theory working, I was stressed about stuff my team was doing. So I'm excited because we figured out how to launch this program in November, how to have an event for those who sign up in early December so that it doesn't feel like they go too long before the program still starts in January when it needs to start in order to make the rest of the calendar work. So like knowing that I won't be looking at Facebook ads during my holiday, I'm super excited about.
1: (laughs) Wow. I just want to back up a second. So are you not doing the traditional launch anymore or did you just move up the schedule?
0: We just moved up the schedule. And you know, I love that you use the word traditional and I'm going to Take that invitation to say, I think it's different in that we all, I realize I can reinvent when a program gets launched and when it starts because I'm utilizing feedback that we've gathered from our audience, which has said both people who've enrolled as well as people who have passed. I wish that there was more time from when I enrolled and when the call started, because it's not one of those courses where it's like, good luck to you, you're on your own. There are 12, uh, it's a 12 week program and there are 11 consecutive weeks of two hour coaching calls with me. So it's a true coaching program that has digital content that's attached. But that's a lot of calls. And of course, we don't expect everyone to make all of those calls. But I would say that um, we have a show up rate of about 80 percent each week. So most people are showing up to the calls because they're so action oriented. And it's like people getting a one on one coach if they they attend live. But launching it earlier is actually giving people a much longer lead time for when to how to clear their schedules with their own clients and what have you to be able to attend more of those calls live. And then I'm sharing trade secrets, but we're doing a three week mini course Um At the start of December for people this year, that's like the course before the course um, that if people can not attend live, they'll get the recordings, but it's shorter bite sized information to get them ready to even have more success in the course. So, yeah, I'm one of those people that really believes that the first time you launch something or you do something, it's useful to follow the rules, but then don't be beholden to them, then reinvent, get it working and then make it better.
1: I can give you a big hug right now because I love how much you were talking about the success of your clients. I have seen so many launches where it was clear that they were more concerned about getting the money Mm. than about seeing their clients who signed up actually get through the material and see success off of it. I think how I said material was just a massive blooper, but I mean... And I've seen numbers where maybe 1% to 3% of people actually get through an online course these days. And that makes me so sad. At the time that this recording goes out, I'm I'm getting ready to launch my own course. And I want to see as high of a completion rate as possible because then I know that I'm making the biggest impact. And people are going through the work and hopefully they're implementing it. Yeah. Please don't sign up for the course. If you already have 18 courses that you've already purchased and haven't gone through, my intention is not just to get your money. I mean, Yes. I would love for you to buy my course, (laughs) baby, but I want to see you get through it. I want to hear your success stories. And if you already have too much on your plate, don't just don't.
0: One of the things that I see as well is that A lot of courses are designed for the freedom of the entrepreneur behind the course rather than for the learning of the participant in the course. And what I mean by that is I personally have had a lot of reticence to create totally DIY programs because in all transparency, that was the first online course I created. I mean, I've been coaching and working with people live for years, but the first digital thing I did was pretty much a DIY course like there were check-ins that would happen where you could get on a call with me but it was basically just glorified q a and i realized that people who were true self-starters did fabulously But the ones who really knocked it out of the park were the ones who came to the live event and then worked with me long-term because the coaching piece was missing. And it's not to say that you can't have digital courses. I'm in the throes of creating something that will be 100% digital. It's the first time I'm releasing anything digital under $200, but it is solely focused on how to create your speaker marketing materials and your pitch sequences, something you don't need direct coaching for. But when you're talking about creating your signature presentation, translating your intellectual property into a talk that makes impact, that moves people to action, and that hopefully enrolls them into working with you further, or at least gets them onto a juicy call with you, I don't believe that you can really teach that without giving people feedback on what they're doing, because it's not a rinse and repeat process. And so... One of the things that I'm really passionate about is if you are a course creator, think about what's the structure that's needed for your content for people really to be able to apply it. And if it is something where you it's only teaching that folks need, then awesome, create your DIY experience. But if people need feedback, if they need support in identifying and moving through their limiting beliefs, and if they need feedback on their developing skill set, then you've got to think about how do you integrate coaching in there, whether it's you or whether you hire someone to do it. If you, what you really care about is people's success,
1: I, I I just want to share that whole section with so many entrepreneurs that I know. Because please do, <laughs> yes. Um, everything that you were just talking about, especially like the speaker package, is that something that you cover with your mastermind? I,
0: I do. And pretty soon it's something that I'll cover with anybody who buys my speaker marketing kit, which you know, we haven't priced it yet. So, um, but I know it'll come in at under $200 is I find that a lot of times people get really hung up on, do I need to create my whole presentation first or do I need to pitch myself to speak and get the gig first? And my answer is both can work. However, I find that a lot of people are actually able to awaken to what their signature presentation is when they go through my system to create the description, the title, the bullet points and the persuasive case for an event organizer. Like then they can sometimes actually create a better presentation because they know how it needs to call people to take action. In my longer coaching programs, we don't necessarily start that way. I mean, we because they have me right there with them, whether we are on zoom or for the people in my mastermind, we get together for live retreats. I'm able to obviously hear step-by-step step what people are doing, give them direct feedback, and then we get to the marketing assets. But one of the things I see for a lot of entrepreneurs are like, they, they basically are clear on what their, their content is, but they don't have this they have systems for how to get clients but they don't have a system for how to get speaking gigs they do what i call the pitch and the prey so they might send out one email to someone but they don't have a follow-up automated email sequence to be able to continue to engage event organizers they don't have their speaker one sheet they don't have their speaker reel all that stuff that's not complicated it just needs to get done and get done well so that is all content i was like you know well, it's stuff I cover in my courses and certainly stuff I do with my private clients. There is something I feel in my integrity in creating that comes in at a lower price point for people who just want the step-by-step system. They don't need the coaching. And that's why I'm finally creating a truly DIY um, program because I've done the coaching work. I know, um, I know how to take what I've done with people and make, and just present the system. But I would not have felt comfortable starting there and just teaching the system because inevitably I would have been leaving stuff out as much as I came from like my first job was as a trainer so like I've been creating courses albeit they were live courses for a long time. But I do think it's really hard to create a truly transformational course if you've not taught it live. Or coached people live through that process first.
1: When that program comes out, would you please get in touch with me or my team so that we mm-hmm. can put the link in the show notes? Because Absolutely. the second you said pitch and pray, that was me. That's how I got this the speaking engagement that I had. <laughs> I pitched and actually then I forgot. There was no follow up. And the day that it came in I was like, Oh I forgot <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah that needs to that needs to be fixed so yeah I would love to know and I know listeners would love as well in the meantime where's the best place for listeners to find you online connect and get to know more about your
0: programs and, and services thank you the, for those who are in the coach consulting expert space who recognize that speaking is a part of the mix of how they want to be able to share their ideas and make positive impact and connect with the right Clients for their business. I have a digital guide that's called Nine Mistakes that coaches, consultants, and experts make as speakers and how to avoid them. And we look at different categories of the mistake and how to correct it. So uh, that'll be in the show notes, I'm sure, from Kim, but it's nine, the, the word nine, N I N E, nine mistakes.com. Um, and then across social media, I am at Alexia Vernon. I try to keep that simple.
1: I just want to know how you got nine mistakes.com.
0: It was <laughs> available and I, we only got that last fall.
1: <laughs> wow. Wow. Yes. Listeners, all the links will be in the show notes and check back because as soon as the, the, the smaller course comes available, that link will definitely be in there too. And you can find the show notes at the dot forward slash PP six one, two. Alexia, I just want to thank you so much. I mean, I'm I'm so blown away by the fact that I I don't need to be shy about what I share anymore, as long as I have the best intentions behind it. I I don't know why, but I just hadn't thought about it before. So exactly what we were saying at the very beginning of the episode, everything for a reason when it's supposed to happen. So thank you so much for joining me today.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for holding space for me and for this conversation.
1: Oh, you are so welcome. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners?
0: Yes. And it's shifted through our conversation. (laughs) And what I mean by that is, it's something that I said, but I really want to come back to it because it's something um, I've seen with a lot of my peeps over the last couple of years where it's like, what would it look like for you if you built the business you want from the start rather than start with the business you feel like you're supposed to start with? until you get significant enough to build the business that you want like it changes everything start from there and it doesn't mean that you have to have everything done but create the momentum create the mindset that that's what I'm developing from the start and my hunch is it will positively and radically transform not only how you feel about your relationship to your business but ultimately to its success.